0: Welcome to another podcast uh, with Intelligent Adventist. We are going to look at Mark chapter 3 and we will go uh, passage by or subject by subject in this uh, chapter and uh, continue our discussion. So, in this chapter, the story starts with Jesus again healing on the Sabbath and another discussion uh, that uh, happened as he was. Uh, performing this miracle so I'll read it says uh, again he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him and he said to the man with the withered hand come here and he said to them is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm to save life or to kill but they were silent and he looked around them with anger grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. So this is uh, another Sabbath healing, and in this healing it appears that... uh, I guess uh, the man who had the withered hand was well known to the, the people attending there, and they knew that if Jesus was coming, he would uh, want to fix this man's hand. And uh, they kind of wanted to set this trap for Jesus, but Jesus anticipated the trap and uh, asked them uh, the question. And I think it's, uh, it's a good question, what really is lawful on Sabbath?
1: Uh, yes, I mean, uh, obviously the point of this story is that um, it's it's lawful to do good and uh, and to help people as opposed to doing harm. Like if you really think about what they're doing, they're using the Sabbath time to plot somebody's downfall, whatever that might be. They were looking for a way to trap Jesus, but they're doing it on Sabbath, but they're trying to trap him with, with the Sabbath issue, you know, like a... An external thing, which is which, which is kind of what the Pharisees' religion seems to always be. It's always about externals, and I think we can relate to that really well. I mean, whether it's in Sabbath or other aspects of Zavitas, we see this a lot, where so much is about externals, and uh, you know, people sometimes do things that are probably much worse just to, just to uh, on the external level, appear as if they're keeping God's commandments, you know?
0: Yeah, so sometimes, uh, I guess we could unpack what you just said about uh, other people. Uh, sometimes the argument has been given that, that uh, we don't want to be a stumbling block to other people. And so therefore, even though we know some things are permissible, we don't want to do them just because we feel like others may take additional liberties Mm -hmm. right however i think if we really look at the the meaning behind or, or the reason behind sabbath it's a very different one than the one we've made it out to be which is the absence of work yeah like i think i think the sabbath is much larger than just not working or not burdening somebody and i think in many ways, we've kind of fallen into the the patterns and the thought patterns that uh, the Jews of Jesus' day had fallen into regarding the Sabbath. And so here was a case where clearly this man needed uh, healing, and they were trying to set this up as a as a test case regarding Jesus' views on on the Sabbath. And it's sad, really, because the the whole point of of the church is so that people can come and find healing but often we take those situations and we make them into test cases for our own battles or our own things and uh, I remember back in the day when uh, I used to preach more regularly there used to be people in the audience who would be there with their litmus tests to find out let's say I decided to preach on Romans or if I preached uh, in Daniel somewhere or something else that I would preach the correct theology according to them and if I didn't or if I deviated from it even in the slightest my whole sermon and everything I said would be just written off immediately and I think that is the kind of uh, situation that Jesus was trying to avoid in in this uh, particular instance anyway uh, any other thoughts for this uh, particular passage?
1: Um, yeah, I think, you know, the, there's a lot of misunderstanding and I don't know if it's something we can discuss in just this episode and it might be something that we kind of develop over the series, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about the nature of the law. And I think it's because instinctively most of us are wired to, to look at God only to whatever degree we feel we have to, to think about God, to only that degree that we, we, we feel we need just to make sure we, you know, like our life goes, goes well. We, we don't run into too big a problem in in life or we don't, you know, we go to heaven, we run, we run up in hell or whatever. Like we instinctively, we have all these things that we, we think about in our lives and then God is there and we can't avoid him because he's God, but we, we kind of reason in terms of what is the least amount of stuff I have to do to get, get by with, with, God not uh, getting mad at me or whatever. Just just make it through, so to speak, you know? And we think of God's law in that sense. Like, okay, there's some requirements here. Let me make sure I do as much as I can. And, and then I'm set. And then because of that mentality, sometimes we, we look at other people that maybe are not doing things to the degree we're doing. And then we think, how come they're getting away with doing less? And I have to kind of sit here and do all this stuff, you know? And all those different things they really have nothing to do with, with God's law because God's law wasn't intended that way. Like, it wasn't some kind of set of requirements that, you know, like a bunch of obstacles that God puts us through for whatever random reason. You know, like, God gave us these things because that's how He created things to be. Like, He, he created the world and the world functions a certain way and, you know, there's there's all these things that, that wouldn't work if there were certain principles in place. You know, like gravity is always the go-to example. I mean, uh, in order for us not to fly out into space, there's some kind of attractive force that pr- pulls us to the ground, and it lets us walk around and do things. If it wasn't there, we'd just be hovering around and not be able to, like, function. But gravity also has a, a, a bad side to it that, you know, if, I am, if I'm careless and I walk off a building, I, I fall to the ground, I, I can get hurt or die and uh it's the same thing with with moral laws but uh they're not as as straightforward like sometimes we might not see the effects we might not see the results right away it might take a while it might take years decades or it might be generations down the line that there's effects that come out of it but uh it's not about just some random requirement there's you know god has our our good and and you know, he's concerned for us in the whole process, and the Sabbath is like that. Um, and I know, like, I'm not sure how many people from outside Adventists will be listening to this, but to a lot of people, they look at these passages as as Jesus starting the process of removing the necessity to keep the Sabbath, and that's why he keeps breaking the Sabbath ahead of time, just to like set the stage for them moving away from the Sabbath later. But in, within their own theology that doesn't work because this is before Jesus' death which means he's still under the Old Covenant which means if he broke the Sabbath under the Old Covenant he'll be committing sin and he wouldn't be the perfect sacrifice that uh, Jesus needed to be so that whole logic doesn't add up. Interesting.
0: Yeah so Jesus obviously as we believe through scripture he's the one who gave the, the Sabbath in the beginning yeah. in Eden and uh, to Moses, and then here he is uh, reestablishing the purpose and the meaning of Sabbath. Yeah. And to him, it was very clear that the Sabbath was something where uh, it would be it would be a place where healing could take place, of all kinds, whether it was uh, spiritual healing, physical healing, um, and uh, emotional healing, or whatever. So. Looking around at at the people around him, he realized that they would not answer, and he looked around, you know, uh, kind of angry, and then he grieved at their hardness of heart. And then he said to the man, stretch your arm, or stretch your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And then it says here that they immediately went out and began to consult with the Herodians. So the Herodians were... um, I guess uh, people who had affiliated with uh, the uh, person that the Romans had put in charge of that area and uh, which is uh, I guess Herod or the group you know the whole family of Herod yeah and uh, they really wanted to take Jesus out because they felt that he was a threat to their faith and I don't know if this was the turning point in Jesus ministry where they actively began to to work against him, but they definitely um, there definitely is this turning point for for Jesus, unfortunately, and uh, but that doesn't seem to have affected his uh, his popularity because it goes on to say that Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumia, and from beyond Jordan, and from Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that He was doing, they came to Him, and He told His disciples to have a boat ready for Him because the crowd, because the crowd, lest they crush Him. For He had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around to touch Him. And whenever unclean spirits saw Him, they fell before Him and cried out, You are the Son of God, and He strictly ordered them not to make Him known. So, I guess just a, a small piece here, but uh, something contemporary. There is this uh, there is this story of uh, a concert where people were injured and killed because the crowd surged forward and crushed people in the middle of it uh, that had nowhere to go, you know, front or back. And uh, so I guess that co- uh, was possible then too because people were pressing forward to, to get close to Jesus. And so he had to step out into the boat. And... <clears throat> yeah, but I guess it's just, uh, it's just more testimony as to his, uh, his ability to draw crowds and what he was doing.
1: You know, going back a little bit to the previous section, but it connects, with, it connects on with this part as well. But, you know, I'm thinking like the Pharisees sitting there watching him to see what he's going to do with this person with a withered hand. And they're saying, uh, let's see if he heals him on Sabbath. So they're not fazed by the fact that he's able to heal. They just want to see if he's going to do it on Sabbath so they could condemn him. And to me, it's like, okay, if I was in somebody's shoes back then, you know, maybe not the Pharisees or some somebody living at that time, the thing that would be most, uh, like, it would be on my mind. You know, the thing that I would try to figure out is, okay, this person is doing some amazing stuff. And what I want to know is, is he from God or is somehow the devil, like, Found a way to like really, really trick us with with this miracles or something. That would be the question. Either way, I wouldn't be thinking like, let's see if he does a miracle so we could condemn him because he's affecting my, uh, you know, our popularity or our access to the people, or whatever. That would be so far out of my mind because if this person here in front of us really is from God, I have better, bigger things to think about, bigger, bigger things to worry about than my own popularity or my own. Uh, authority or whatever those things, you know, because I mean, anyway, yeah.
0: Perhaps, perhaps they were thinking that uh, the fact that Jesus would heal on the Sabbath was evidence that he was from Satan, because earlier in the text, um, I believe that Jesus had said that uh, that the devil's house cannot, you know, stand on its own with yeah. him fighting in between, you know, yeah. with his own people. And so, he was trying to counter that that accusation in the beginning of his ministry. And so, for them, this was clear proof that he was breaking the law and he was from Satan because he was healing on the Sabbath. And they had decided long ago, and scholars had decided that there are certain things that were acceptable on the Sabbath, and healing people wasn't one of them. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I think there was also the personal element where they, like you said, um, they, they realized that he was popular and he was drawing far too many people to him, and... Uh, In fact, he was making them look bad in their interpretation of scripture and in just their popularity and and whatever. And uh, so for that reason, um, they, uh, you know, it was both personal, political and religious uh, for their reasons for going after Jesus. But here it seems like Jesus really, in this story, Jesus really had, uh, it was really incidental to him. Like he didn't go to the synagogue to stir up trouble, it just happened to be that the case was presented to him, yeah. and if a case is presented where somebody needed his help, he wasn't gonna not help. Yeah. them. Yeah. right. So, <clears throat> I think uh, many times uh, we s- sometimes uh, are um, we have too many preconceived notions of what um, we think God is requires of us, and uh, Jesus is. You know is always there to remind us that that his ideas are far higher than ours and, and it yeah. can shatter our whole concept of, of thinking
1: yeah and I, I think on both ends on, on one side like you said there's the there's a personal element where the people you know they're they're jealous you know they it's affecting their own aspirations or whatever so there's that side and I think we need to watch ourselves uh, because maybe if there's one lesson that really stands out throughout the whole narrative of, of the Gospels is that the lengths that people are willing to go to, even when the truth is clearly in front of them, but it goes against their own personal biases, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're willing to, to be blinded to the facts and, and, and push forward in some direction that, um, regardless of consequences. And I think that's something we've got to watch ourselves because it, it, it affects other aspects of life. I mean, we're living we're living at right now you know at this moment in time with people just blindly going forward in directions that they, they should know better not to go into so there's that element but there's also this other element of this sort of a uh, very narrow religion i mean you know you know like you said these guys are, are 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 thinking that they could determine jesus's um authenticity based on how exactly he keeps the sabbath following some regulations that they've inherited from from their ancestors and it's like listen Follow Jesus's life, you know the past whatever time he's been in ministry a year or whatever. He had been around Day and night, you know Going from here to here and helping people helping the poor helping the sick helping the needy Doing all this stuff. Is this really something Satan would be doing like like if Satan had a chance to take over the life of a human being or to be incarnated on earth. Would he be spending his life going around from place to place and just helping the poor, helping the needy? Is that the character of Satan? Like I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, you know, Satan wouldn't cast out Satan. It doesn't make sense, right? Like yeah. he if Satan was here, that's not the kind of ministry he'll be doing. Yeah. You know, but don't no, they're focused on this little narrow stuff like, uh, you know if he does this on the Sabbath, that's proof for us that this guy is not from God.
0: Yeah, I guess I could I could see it from from their point of view, if uh, if we would indulge them, it would be kind of like this. They would be like, "Look, first of all, he was born of uh, you know questionable circumstances, right? And the second thing is he's uh, he didn't go to our schools, mm-hmm. and the third thing is he's hanging out with tax collectors and with prostitutes." And nothing good can come from that. You know, he's having parties with these people. And look at the people he hangs out with. And then, um, yeah, and then he does, uh, he does these things on the Sabbath, which are clearly violations of, of Scripture, let's just say. So that's how they were reasoning through it. But I think they, obviously it was wrong. What they were doing was wrong. But I also think that there is uh, a modern day application to us And that is that uh, many times we can put God into this uh, human-created box where we feel like there are certain things that God can do or God can accept. And that's it. I remember attending a Sabbath school uh, locally. And uh, it happened to be in one of the more progressive churches in our uh, conference. And I was sitting in the Sabbath school and we were actually discussing helping the poor and, and uh, um, I don't think we called it social justice in that day, but it was essentially humanitarian efforts, yeah. right? And we were discussing Isaiah 58, which also discusses Sabbath keeping. And uh, we were having this long discussion and uh, they were the leaders of the group were talking about how our church is not really primed for that kind of work, right? And while we were having this discussion, somebody came off the street, some homeless guy came off the street, and he sat in our our group. And it was immediately uh, apparent because the guy had not washed in weeks, and we could just barely breathe, right? That was the first thing. And the second thing was that he was seated there, and nobody really knew how to or wanted to interact with the guy and he was making comments based on what everybody else was saying but obviously he had no context of what we were discussing or anything right but i was a guest at the sabbath school and i just sat there and i was like i wonder what these guys are going to do because here we are we're discussing this theoretical discussion of helping the poor and the needy and everything else and the sabbath and here's a test case like there, there can't be a better test case the guy sat there for a little bit and then he realized after a while that everyone had gotten quiet and he was the only one talking and he started to feel self-conscious and then he just said, okay, I'm, I think I'm going to leave. And so he got up and he walked out. And everyone just breathed a sigh of relief and they went back to talking about their stuff, about helping the poor and the needy and everything else. <laughs> and there was nothing said about the guy who came in that that probably needed a shower and, you know, some food or something, right? And uh, obviously, I didn't say anything, but... To me, that is kind of the the state that we can fall to if we're not careful in our in our religion and in our practice of it. So here, Jesus is, uh, uh, asked them the question, and I think it's a very relevant question for us as well: Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath and to save? And I think more. We will talk more about this later on in our series, hopefully. But I think more and more, our churches have become this place where Sabbath has become a production, a well-oiled production, that all we do is we put on a show every Sabbath. And it doesn't matter whether the churches are conservative or they're progressive or liberal or whatever. They're all the same. It's all a show. And I think if Jesus were to come among us, I think he would probably have the same question for us as he did for them.